Welcome to FASD Family Life, the podcast for families by families, where we get real about raising children and youth with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I am your host, Robbie Seal, FASD educator, advocate, and mom of four children with FASD. I know the struggle is real, but so is success. I hope that sharing my experiences can help you feel that you're not alone and that there is hope for you and your child with FASD. I have great news to share with you, my friends. FASD Family Life Podcast has surpassed 6,000 downloads. My gosh, can you imagine? And I have to thank you for sharing the podcast with the people in your life and on your social media. It's fantastic. I regularly hear from parents and caregivers just like you. And if you have questions about something you've heard on the podcast or have a question you'd like me to address, you can email the show at FASDFamilyLife at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook. I had a lot of fun in my summer series, Talk to the Experts, as I got to know and speak with some so many fascinating people with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And these people are making a difference in their communities. Their strength, tenacity, and grace filled me with hope during a very difficult season in our family, as my husband and I are raising our three teens with FASD. Their story will give you hope for better days, and these FASD advocates exemplify the statement, the struggle is real and so is success. If you missed any of the FASD Family Life Summer Series, I encourage you to scroll back and take a listen. I know you will feel as encouraged as I did. Be sure to catch every episode of FASD Family Life Podcast by subscribing. When you subscribe, new episodes will automatically appear in your phone, iPad, or wherever you get your podcasts. And by subscribing, you also help others find the podcast because it signals to the algorithms that this podcast is relevant to people who want to know more about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Here we are, my friends, at episode 32 of FASD Family Life. Last week, we talked about the challenges of raising teenagers, especially teenagers with FASD. And I want to thank you to everyone who commented, liked, and shared the episode on social media. I'm thrilled to know that you connected with that topic. I know raising teens with FASD is really challenging, but I have found in my own experience by acknowledging the disability and seeing my children through the lens of disability, I've been able to make significant changes in the way I interact with my kids and therefore the way they interact with me. And we're really on good footing right now. If you'd like to know more about that, send me a note or or send me a message and um, we'll chat more. And I'm really grateful to be spending this time with you again today. Whether you're driving, listening at home, doing laundry, going for a walk, whatever it is, I'm so glad to be spending this time with you. I invite you to grab a nice hot cup of coffee with me as we chat parent to parent. Today, we're going to get real as we talk about the ups and downs of our complicated lives. I see you. I know the pain, loneliness, disappointment, grief chronic stress, and PTSD you experience, because I experience it too. The struggle is real, because raising children is hard work, and raising children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is next level. 
That's because FASD comprises a wide range of mental, emotional, craniofacial, physiological, and immune disorders which arise from the maternal consumption of alcohol during pregnancy. At the molecular level, many intertwined causal factors contribute to FASD, leading to the varied impacts seen in individuals. Among the factors, FASD is intimately tied to the hyper-stress response and anxiety disorders that are connected to the dysregulation of the hypothalamic, pituitary, and adrenal HPA axis functions. And I think you'll see that in your own children, and one is different from the other, but how quickly they respond, how quickly they get stressed and go from zero to 60, just just over seemingly nothing. It's hardwired. It's not personal. And these disabilities or this quick response to, to stress and anxiety and anger result in lifelong impairments through mental disorders and sensitivity to stress. I want to mention, too, the craniofacial. It's, oh, it's less than 10% of people with FASD have the facial indicators of FASD. It's such a small percentage. We can't rely on the, the difference appearance because over 90% of people who have been impacted by prenatal alcohol exposure do not display any differences in their physio- physiology or particularly in their face. It's only when alcohol is consumed on day 19, 20, 21 of pregnancy, that we will see that dysmorphation of the face. Only three days. Those three days when so many women don't even know they're pregnant yet. Those are the three days where alcohol consumption can impair the development of the face structure. So we can't rely on that. I referenced the HPA axis. That's complicated. But in an upcoming episode of FASD Family Life Podcast, my friend, Dr. Jared Brown, will come back and he'll explain that HPA access in further detail. And I think we'll find that really informative and to understand why our kids do go from zero to 60. It isn't just your kid, it's my kid. It's every kid I've ever met with FASD. All parents talk about that struggle. According to to some research, individuals with FASD may be affected with hyperactivity, depression, anxiety, lifelong problems coping with stress, and other disorders that impair their quality of life. More recent studies have indicated that as many as 93% of individuals with FASD will have these and a host of other co-occurring mental disorders, which is precisely why this is next-level parenting. No, those mental health disorders are not guaranteed. They're not written in stone. They don't have to happen. Some may occur. Some do, like ADHD and anxiety. That, that, that seems to just go hand in hand with FASD most of the time. Other devastating uh, mental health disorders come as a result of chronic poor fit in their environment, of their caregivers, family members, schools, uh, corrections officers, not understanding that fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a brain injury. And when, they don't, when we don't understand that FASD is a brain injury, then we get it wrong. We parent differently. We parent incorrectly. When we understand it's a brain injury and we provide accommodations, just like we would if our kid had diabetes or had a limb amputated, we would provide lifelong accommodations. And we would understand that things are not going to be as perfect as we thought that they might be. 
because there's challenges. And when we can do that with our kids who have a brain injury, we really diminish the stress that they're under and therefore the stress we are experiencing. So even when we're doing it right, we're trucking along. I wonder if, like me, you find yourself suddenly feeling sad from time to time. I'm not talking about depression. Although caregivers of individuals with FASD report higher rates of depression and anxiety than the general population. And if you are feeling depressed, please do not suffer alone. Please speak with your primary care physician for recommendations for counseling and perhaps medication. Medication and cognitive behavioral therapy can really help take the edge off depression. But today, I was suddenly struck by a heavy sadness. It just came over me. And I I wondered why. And I wondered if you feel that way too sometimes. Just really sad and, and wanting to cry. That doesn't happen to me often. That wanting to cry. But the tears were, were right there. And I wondered why. I remember years ago my counselor, my therapist, taught me to get curious about the feelings as they came into my life. You see, they used to run my life. My feelings used to run my life and particularly feelings of sadness. And I would be fearful that I would be falling into depression again. But instead of fearing that and and seeing it as this dragon looming to to take me down as I once did, my counselor taught me to get curious about my feelings as they come through. Feelings of grief or sadness or hopefulness or excitement or anger, whatever the feelings are, rather than, you know, running from them or or stuffing them deep down inside, which is my go-to. But how about I got curious? So when the sadness came over me today, that's what I did. I I got curious. I didn't like it. I mean, I would have rather eaten a chocolate bar and make it all go away, but I'm trying to lose weight. I, I wonder if you can relate to that too. So I wondered if the sadness was a boomerang effect from my fantastic weekend away visiting my relatives in Manitoba. You see, I had taken an impulsive trip to Manitoba to see my aunts and uncles and my cousins who were gathering for a, a belated Canadian Thanksgiving, and I had that time of my life. I had so much fun being welcomed by my family, who I hadn't seen for many, many, many years. Or was the sadness really exhaustion resulting from the seven nights of poor sleep because I was excited about my trip. And then I was away in unfamiliar beds with new pillows. And, and so maybe I didn't, I didn't sleep well for seven nights. Was that why I was feeling sad? Or was I feeling sad because I was home again in the midst of adolescent angst, anxiety, and preservations or perseverations rather, you know, mommy, can we Go buy hockey skates. Mommy, can we go buy hockey skates? I'll check the price. I'll check Kijiji. Mom, let's, let's buy hockey skates. You know, the, you know how our kids get. Or was my sadness caused by my disillusionment with church and the beliefs I had once held so strongly that are now in tatters at my feet? You know, there's a lot going on. And, and I know many of you can relate to what I'm saying. Many of you um, grew up in the church and... And through struggles in your own life and maybe finding that your family with its neurodiversity and complex complexities don't fit very well anymore. It hurts, doesn't it? There's just a lot. I had no answers as to why I felt so sad. But it wouldn't shake. 
So then I, I thought of you. Yeah, I thought of you and I thought about your posts on social media. Your desperation to find answers about your kids and, and their behaviors. Or frustrations when a, a spouse isn't on the same page. Or grandparents don't understand. Or teenagers are experimenting with vapes and marijuana. And, or or they're so, our young adults are so angry and they lash out. And I, I just thought about you and I have those same experiences too. I know the pain and the heartache that you have expressed about seeing, you know, your teen or young adult's life being destroyed by addiction. And I feel it because I've lived it. It's not the dream of adoption. And we have a lot of grief to carry and, and process. We can't live in grief, but we also have a lot of stress every day that we have to not shove down, but we have to acknowledge. Today, it was just sadness. I had no idea that the past few episodes focusing on caregiver stress would lead me here today. At the time, I just followed my heart as I created them. Episode 27 was all about caregiver stress because in my heart, it was telling me that that's what I needed to talk about with you. And it resonated with you. And I got so many comments and feedback and I appreciate it. Please reach out. Please share and like and let me know that it connects because it helps me too. And then episode 28 with my friend Christine Bofenkamp and we aired our dirty laundry and we talked about the stress and we talked about the craziness and we talked about the mistakes that we've made and it was real. And then episode 30, caregiver stress causes and consequences with Dr. Jared Brown. And he took us to school and he took us to the science behind the stress, the science and the about the psychology and the brain response and the emotional response. And it was really informative. And then episode 31 last week, raising teens with FASD. Again, my heart led me there. My heart led me there to talk about the stress of raising teens. Raising any teen man is challenging. And I always say everybody raising a teenager needs to be on everybody else's prayer list because it's hard. Teens are going through a lot. And parents, it's tough on us too. But raising teens with FASD is next level, you know, with the risk of addiction and the dismaturity that, you know, leaves our 16-year-old cognitively and emotionally maybe six in a complex, confusing world of adolescence. It's hard stuff. Today, I think the sadness I'm feeling is yours and mine. I think they call this the dark night of the soul. Now, I'm not a mental health professional, you know that, and I'm not offering any kind of professional advice, but I am a parent with nearly 30 years experience of pouring my heart and soul into my kids. And like many of you, I've created my family with a blend of biological and adopted children, divorce and remarriage. It's really complicated. I grew up in a Christian home with fantastic parents, and I'm so very grateful for the home I grew up in and the legacy that their parents brought to them and mine to me and that I can give to my kids. I became a Christian as a child, and I confirmed my faith and dedication as a young adult. I was married at 22 and spent the next 20 years in a very unhealthy marriage. Our family grew with the birth of one child and the adoption of four more during the course of that time. 
We attended church every week as a family, and unknown to others, verbal, emotional, and physical abuse were also part of our family life. I loved attending church, and I was happy to volunteer in a variety of capacities. I had a really strong faith and community. That all changed when I went through a painful and ugly divorce. My foundation was in question, and my community disappeared. I am blessed, though. I am blessed to have married the kindest man nine years ago. My husband, Rob, Yep, Rob and Robbie. You got that right. My husband, Rob, is a quiet, gentle soul. He is steady, calm, and wise, and I cannot imagine doing any of this without him. He is my rock. I've also spent decades of effort mothering, building attachments, supporting needs, building relationships, praying for wisdom and strength, creating accommodations, learning about FASD, trying to find professionals who understand and can help us, chauffeuring kids around, driving kids to schools, playdates, therapies, and appointments, navigating minefields of sensory and language-based overwhelm, writing IEPs, trying to collaborate with teachers, homeschooling, searching for the right support, and fighting bureaucracies to get it. All along, I wished I had a friend who understood someone I could talk to and learn from. But for most of that time, I was on my own, without a friend who knew what it was like, until very recently when I found my mom group you hear me talk about. Amidst all of this, I fought with everything I had to change the course of my daughter's life when she stepped into the raging river of adolescent experimentation with alcohol and drugs the swirling currents of trauma, prenatal alcohol exposure, and family history were too strong, and she was quickly swept away into the disease and the streets. I was broken. My family and I were devastated by our pain and the helplessness as her life was ravaged by addiction. Ours was too. We cheered her on when she clawed her way back out and stood on the shores of recovery only to watch her slip beneath the currents of addiction that soon led again to homelessness. That was a really dark time for me, and not very long ago. It was traumatic to relive the devastating speed at which addiction took over my daughter's life again. I needed therapy, and lots of it to get through. You know how when they say it rains, it pours? It was pouring. Five children each one needing something different from me, often at the very same time. One in university who loves to have long conversations that challenge both of us, our beliefs and our understanding, and lead us to ask questions and think deeply. I love those conversations, and my daughters inspired me or caused me to grow as I learned new things along with her. Another child in addiction and estranged from us most of the time, leaving a gaping wound in my heart. A third child flipped my world upside down when she suddenly says and does the opposite of me all the time. If I said good, she said bad. If I said black, she said white. Then one day, when I was sitting in my backyard reading, she came to me and told me that she does not believe in God and she came out as queer. I think those months of oppositional behavior toward me was her way of preparing for the rejection 
she assumed she would experience from me because I'm a Christian. I didn't reject my daughter, but I had a lot of hard work to do for many years to earn my daughter's trust and rebuild our connection. To let her know I see her for who she is. I love her for who she is. I had to dig deep into my soul and question what I believed, why, and how I could make sense of it in the face of my very complicated reality. During this time, I had regular therapy sessions to help me process everything that was going on. And I took an anthropology course as an exercise in personal growth and development, and I loved it. Studying anthropology led me to do a study of church history. I was deeply disturbed by the conflicts and doctrinal divisions in the church right from the earliest days. It hurt to see that something meant for so, for good was so soon corrupted by people and their egos and their desire to be right and limit everybody else. Well, at the same time, I was also reading and taking courses to learn more about trauma and its impact on the brain, FASD, the neurosequential model of development, neurodiversity and sexual orientation. I love learning. And again, my foundation was being tested and it was cracking under the pressures of my questions and my explorations. My daughter's relapse in the fall of 2019 took us all by surprise. My heart was shattered into a million pieces again. And then COVID struck just a few months later. And in March 2020, there were lockdowns and all that upheaval that it brought. And it was really hard on my kids and on my husband and myself, as it was on you. We questioned, will my husband still have employment? What happens if he doesn't? How do we do online school with three kids with FASD? How are we supposed to afford all these new computers? And what do we do about our daughter who is in active addiction and won't adhere to the public stay-at-home orders? And my older daughter, struck with anxiety about this sudden change in the world. How do we support her? It was a lot. And ultimately, I had to ask my one daughter to stay with her friends because she was putting our lives at risk by not staying home when the law and public health orders said that she had to. She couch surfed until she became homeless again. It was so devastating. Then suddenly in the summer of 2020, we were all confronted by the death of George Floyd at the hands of a police officer and the eruption of Black Lives Matter movement. Conversations with my dear friend brought the realities of racial bias and discrimination very close to home as she shared some of her experiences with me. My studies in anthropology revealed that the racial biases presented in our culture today is based on antiquated racial classification by anthropologists from the 1400s. 1400s! Racial classification was based on the physical attributes and not least of which the color of the skin. And these racial classification reduced some of humankind to mere chattel, easily bought and sold. It's criminal. It's awful. And those biases still live on. And they've been changed. They've morphed. But they live on. Hence the eruption of the Black Lives Matter movement. The summer of 2021 brought the discovery of nearly 7,000 unmarked graves of children who died at Indian residential schools in Canada and the U.S. 
My heart was broken at the scale of the crimes against people based on their race, sanctioned by the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. I knew a little bit about that history, but the discovery of thousands of unmarked graves of children made that abstract very concrete for me and many Canadians like me. I struggled with the reality of that these religious institutions had been murdering and maiming peoples for centuries, robbing millions of peoples of their lives, their families, their cultures, and way of life, simply because of the color of their skin and their differences in beliefs. Truly a dark night of the soul. I grew up in the church, but I don't see how I can any longer be a part of it. Some of you will understand this deep pain of the soul that leaves questions where convictions once held firm. It's not easy. It's not easy to say it out loud. It's not easy to have those conversations with people. It's not easy to have those conversations with yourself. I believe in God. I believe in God, the creator, the sustainer of all living things. I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died to give us eternal life. The Bible says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it also says that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead will be saved. I'm good with that. I'll do my best to love God and love others as myself, because according to Jesus, those are the two greatest commandments. Summer of 2021 turned up the temperature of division between COVID deniers and mainstream culture, vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. Friendships and families have been fractured, some irrevocably. This fall, we've seen unprecedented rates of COVID and hospitals are struggling to keep up with the demand for care because ICUs are filled with the very people who refuse to get the vaccine provided free of charge for their own protection. Again, families, friendships, churches, and businesses, and hospitals, and healthcare systems, and schools are all being disrupted by the strain of these opposing values. We're in crisis. Meanwhile, you and I are struggling just to keep our heads above the tumultuous waters in our society and inside our own homes. We are doing our very best parenting children and youth and adults with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder attachment trauma, physical and mental health challenges. Things do not get easier as our kids get older. Instead, their challenges increase with age and disability support decreases. We really need each other to help shoulder the burden and light the way for one another. I know how lonely it can be and how difficult it can be to find the resources that you need for yourself and your children. And that's why I started this podcast, and I'm so glad you found it. I want to be that friend that you need on your journey, a friend who can light the way and share the struggles and laugh with you and cry with you. Please keep in mind, if you are in a particularly difficult season of life, it is only a snapshot. Today does not define our entire lives. Whether that's you're caring for elderly parents, you have your own health concerns, your children have been suspended from school again, or your child is so depressed you're on suicide watch, your teen is cutting, your child, your little one is so hyperactive and distractible that it feels like you're living in a a whirlwind. You are, 
But it'll, you'll be okay. You really will be okay. Today does not define our entire lives. The struggle is real, and so is success. It is so imperative to our children, our family, and our own mental health that we build a stable, FASD, attachment, trauma-informed family. And you can do it. There are five key tenets to a stable placement. I've talked about them before, and I'll share them with you again today. The first is training, 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 and more training. And if you think you've had enough training, you're wrong. You need more training. I regularly take more training, and I love it. It sharpens my skills, keeps it in the front of my mind, and allows me to serve my kids even better. Coaching. Number two is coaching. FASD-informed professional coaching to help you put all that training into action and help you advocate with the school administrators, teachers, and employers, and maybe to kind of talk you off the ledge every once in a while. Number three is counseling, to work through the grief and loss that is part and parcel of raising children with FASD. Inevitably, there's grief and there's loss because life has not turned out the way that we had hoped it will. And though life will get better, it will always be challenging because our dear loved ones have a permanent brain injury. So we need support. The fourth is respite. This is next level parenting. So we all need time to rest. We need to decompress and let down our guard. Let our own sensory system and our own hyperactive stress response system calm down. If we don't, our health will fail us. If our health will fail us, then we won't be there to support our kids. We need respite. We need rest. And there's a lot of creative ways to find respite. Fifth, community. We need community. We are not meant to go through life alone. And I know you probably feel so alone and so isolated, and and it just makes it so much worse. But we need community. We need friends who understand what it is we're going through. Because they are going through it too. We need friends that will laugh with us, cry with us, celebrate with us, and coach us along. You and I need all five tenants in order to understand our children's complex disability, adapt to their needs, and give ourselves the flexibility and the ability to parent for the long haul. Which reminds me, our children will not be children forever, though some days feel like it. In fact, They will have many more years as adults to continue to learn and grow and discover who they are and what their strengths are. And they will need you in different ways then. You have to remember that individuals with FASD in their 20s are still in their youth. That's kind of new understanding to me, but many people who have FASD have told me that, that their 20s are still their youth. And their adult brain doesn't really come online until they're 30. So we need to slow our roll and we need to buckle up. It's going to be bumpy. But if we take a brain-based approach and we really see some of the surprising behaviors or the challenging behaviors as symptoms of their brain injury and therefore provide the right kind of accommodations, we'll see less of that behavior We'll see more of the strengths our kids have and the happiness that is within them without all the 
anger and rage and hostility and anxiety taking up all the oxygen in the room, when that can calm down, we get to actually see who our kids are, what they're good at, what they're interested in. And when we can do that, then we can speak hope and life into them and and acknowledge, hey, this kind of a job might be really good for you. Or you're interested in that. Let's learn about that together. Things can really turn around. I have learned a lot from the adults with FASD that I've spoken to and those whose posts I read on social media. Learned about their anxiety and their trouble fitting in and, and the slower developmental pace. And I've learned that there is real hope that our kids will grow up to find fulfillment, love, purpose, and passion in their lives. I have learned that while we have an important role to play in their journey of self-discovery and self-determination, it's only one part. Our kids, like us, will create their own adult lives. We don't get to do that. If we're lucky, we get to be a part of their adult lives. I have learned that adopted children are grafted into two trees, perhaps in equal measure, perhaps not. Our adopted children carry with them the nature of their birth family and the nurture of their adoptive family. And if we can help them connect with their biological family in safe, healthy ways, along with their heritage, their culture, their race, our kids will be more whole and will have a stronger sense of self. But be patient. Be patient with yourselves. Be patient with your kids. It takes a long time. It takes time, love, connection, brain-based parenting, trauma-informed, identity-informed, race-informed parenting. And we need to build a team of support for you and your child. Adults with FASD will always require assistance because they have a permanent brain injury. And given the right support and accommodation, our adult kids can do amazing things. Though there may be many dark years because of addiction, recovery is possible. Many people with FASD recover from addiction and go on to lead full, happy lives. I still have days that feel like a thousand years. And there are times my heart is so full of joy, it feels like it'll burst. Other seasons... It hurts so bad, I don't think I'll be able to keep going. My circumstances have not changed. I still am a parent of five kids, two adults and three teens, four of whom have brain-based disability from alcohol, trauma, and other substances in the womb. That's not going to change. Each one of my five kids will require understanding and support. We all do. I require understanding and support. My children with prenatal exposure also require accommodations every day, of every week, of every year, for the rest of their lives. And I can't change that. But I can change how I respond to the needs and the challenges that present in any given moment. And when I do better, my kids do too. Today, my daughter is in recovery. She is discovering who she is, who she is as a person, who she is as a woman, who she is as a mother, and who she is as my daughter. And as she is mothering her precious little one, she is healing some of the wounds in her life. I am so proud of her. 
Our relationship is restored. And she is welcomed back with open arms by our whole extended family. If you are curious about brain-based parenting, which is what I talk about all the time, looking at those behaviors and those disabilities as brain-based. If you're curious about brain-based parenting, I encourage you to read Trying Differently Rather Than Harder by Diane Melbin. It's a short book, under 90 pages. It's very helpful, and it'll really open your eyes to what I'm talking about, about brain-based parenting. If you want more in-depth training on FASD, and neurobehavioral brain-based parenting, it's available through FACETS. And now FACETS, that's F-A-S-C-E-T-S, is doing their workshops, their six-week workshops online. It's readily available to you. There is a small cost, but it is readily available. And this training, this FACETS training, will help you make the paradigm shift from behavior to brain from problem, from chaos to calm. This paradigm shift that is necessary to effectively support your child with FASD at home, at school, in the community, and in employment settings. I've recently completed the FACETS training and I found it really helpful. An FASD Family Life podcast is here for you too. It's the podcast for families, by families, raising children and youth with FASD. I hope that by sharing my experience and my FASD education with you, you will feel connected to someone who knows what you're going through. And I can offer a little education, encouragement, and empowerment to you as you raise your kids with FASD. So while today I might be feeling sad, and there's many different reasons why, I'm also feeling hopeful. I'm also feeling empowered. I'm also feeling fortunate. I'm feeling hopeful, empowered, and fortunate because this is probably the best time in history to be a parent of a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Truly, it is. It's the best time in history because we have podcasts like this one and four others in the world. There's only five FAST podcasts in the world. We have podcasts. We have Zoom meetings. We have online training. When I started this journey, training was so hard to find and it was so damn expensive. I couldn't afford it. Now it's there's so much training free online. There are support groups. There are resources. This really is the best time to be a parent of an individual with FASD. I'm feeling hopeful because I want to connect with you and I want to connect with your FASD network and your FASD supports in your region so we can talk about them on FASD Family Life and we can raise awareness. I want to offer training to you and training to your support groups and training to your teachers so that we can all learn and grow and our understanding of FASD as a brain injury and the very simple shifts we can make so that all of the individuals with FASD can be included in our families, in our support groups, in our schools, in our places of employment. Because with training, we can make the shifts that create a more inclusive environment where people can really succeed. 
If you have found this episode on Facebook or LinkedIn, please drop a comment in the section because that will even further expand the reach of FASD Family Life. And I would really appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you caught this podcast. You know, if you're on Stitcher or Spotify or or iTunes, where, wherever you found me, leave a five-star rating because that helps other people find the podcast. It helps us spread the word about FASD. It helps us improve our advocacy and teach about brain-based parenting and, and really give hope that success is possible. It really is attainable. And as I close this episode, I want to leave you with a prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Because there is a difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying each moment at a time, accepting hardships as the path to peace, taking, as he did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. I would love to hear from you. Please reach out. Send me a message on Facebook. Send me an email. Do you have a question that you'd like me to address on the show or a really big struggle that you want me to help you dissect? Email me at fasdfamilylife at gmail.com or message me on Facebook. I will answer you. I'll do my best to answer it via email and on the show so we can all learn and grow together. And thank you for sharing your time with me. I know it's precious. And until next week, remember, the struggle is real, but so is success. I'll talk with you soon.